Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo and today we're going to be previewing the Boxing Day game between Sunderland and Blackburn at the Stadium of Lights and find out more about Rovers and how they're shaping up. Joining myself, Joe Nicholson, we are joined by Ian Herbert from Rovers Fanzine 4000 Holds. Ian, how's things? Uh, great, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to Christmas and of course with that, Boxing Day, one of the traditional highlights of the football calendar. So, uh, yeah, all good, thank you. Mm-hmm. Also, remember that it is an early kickoff as well. Half twelve kickoff has been uh, been brought yeah. forward, so um, probably not great for for Blackburn fans making the trip over. But um, that's how it is, isn't it? Uh, it, it well, yes, yeah, Sky are the paymasters of the modern game, aren't they? So, the, them as holds the wallet dictates the times, which is unfortunate. All three of our festive games have been put on TV, so I, I, I anticipate that will affect attendances. Uh, and in yeah. these straightened times, I think you know that if you can save money by watching something on TV, a lot of fans will probably take that option. Midday kickoffs for Boxing Day and New Year's Day are less kind to us yeah. as well. So add all that together, it's not quite the Christmas I was hoping for when the fixtures mm-hmm. came out. Yeah, well, looking at the at the table, it is going pretty well for Blackburn, third in it the is. in the league. We've um, we saw them play at Ewood Park earlier in the season. Blackburn got a two 0 win, so. Can you kind of just tell us how it's gone since then and kind of what the mood is like heading into the game on Boxing Day? Blackburn Rovers this season are the epitome of Jekyll and Hyde. Nobody is quite sure what you're going to get until the game starts and you see who scores the first goal. I don't know how many away fans will be aware of this, but basically this season is when we score first, we win. When we concede first, we lose and we don't do draws. So at some point, that sequence has to end. At some point, there'll have to be a draw. But right now, that's pretty much the way it's gone. So the uh, you know, the good Blackburn Rovers turns up, is robust, is organised, scores, makes it incredibly difficult for the opposition, drags them on and then catches them on the break and hopefully scores again. The bad Blackburn Rovers concedes early. They all turn to each other and go, what do we do now, boss? Nobody seems to have a plan B that works and we lose. And that, that's been... it's It's just... Well, the Championship is a crazy division, full stop. Blackburn Rovers, I would argue, are the craziest club within that crazy division this season. But we're third. Nobody's quite sure how, but we'll we'll take the ride. Thank you very much. Mm. Yeah, as you said, no draws so far. So we're halfway through the season for Blackburn, and it's, well, for all teams in the Championship. For Blackburn, it's 13 wins, no draws, 10 defeats. And they were going on the run earlier in the season. I think it was before they played Sunderland as well, where it was going win-loss, win-loss. A binary um, season. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they broke that a little bit, and now they are back up to third with with a good win over Norwich uh, on Saturday. But then they lost in the in the Carabao Cup. So, how what would you say the mood is like coming into this game on, on Boxing Day? Well, it, it, mir- it mirrors that Jekyll and Hyde, I think, because yeah. before the World Cup break, our final fixture was against our nearest and dearest at Turf Moor, mm. which for Sunderland is the equivalent of playing Newcastle United, I guess. Uh, had we won that fixture, we would have gone top of the table before the World Cup break and everything in the world would have been rosy and every Rovers fan would have been absolutely delighted to look down. And of course, they, they outplayed us, won 3-0. So we went into the World Cup feeling a little bit disappointed at a spurned opportunity. But we had the opportunity with the first match back after the World Cup break to beat another local rival, Preston North End, at Ewood, all set up beautifully, and Preston played us off the park. 
and they got revenge for our 4-0 win at their place last season by beating us 4-1 at Ewood. So the mood <laughs> sort of dropped commensurately to the point of, why why do we bother following this football team? God damn it. You know, they, they, they just can't keep uh, keep putting in any sort of uh, half-decent performances. So the match at Norwich last week, I think, saw Rovers fans travelling in hope rather than expectation. Norwich has never been a happy hunting ground for us. Uh, and to come away from there with a 2-0 win was... was uh, a really, really good bounce back, a sort of restorative result uh, after those two local derby defeats. Uh, I'm discounting midweek entirely because we made 11 changes. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, that that really speaks volumes for where the Carabao Cup um, sits in our priorities this season. I think, understandably, with a busy Christmas programme, he made the changes. There are arguments that sort of say, you know, coming off the back of a good result, you keep your best players in and you try and force force the issue. But we we brought on one of our first teamers as a substitute, Tyree Stolen, and he went off injured. So I think right. that illustrates the, the the risk that you take in doing that. So I think on balance, it will be, that result will be forgiven if we can get some decent uh, decent performances in over over the Christmas period. So mm. ends justify the means, I guess. Mm. Obviously, it's halfway through the first season for the new manager, John Dahl Thomason. So. And as you say, it has been a very up and down season. So, what's kind of the yeah. view on him? You've had some heavy defeats, as you said, to some some local rivals as well. But also, they're sitting third in the table. So, yes. <laughs> what do the fans make of him and, and how he's done? Well, he's not Tony Mowbray, so I think mm. initially <clears throat> that that was seen probably on balance as a, as a positive thing. I have a lot of time for Tony and the job that he did at Rovers, but I think he went past his sell by date. I think he probably had a season arguably two seasons, too many Ewood, where we got into the routine under him of winning lots of games prior to New Year and then tailing off in January and having horrendous yeah. second halves of the season. Uh, you know, Championship winning form first half, relegation form second half. So what we've got with JDT is that in microcosm where we've, we've had that sort of like win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. All those, those sequences are sort of like serve to confuse Rovers fans who are used to a good first half and a poor second half. So the highs and lows and the, you know, the comments that you see on social media uh, and on our forum kind of reflect the last result and the nature of the performance. So yeah, it, it was pretty down after the Preston game. It bounced back after the Norwich result. But I think you've got to give a new manager time. And at the beginning of the season, had you asked me where I thought Rovers' natural position this season would be, I'd have probably said mid-table, maybe lower mid-table. Lost a lot of players. Whenever you turn over a manager, you're never quite sure what you're going to get. So for us to be third after 23 games, albeit in this incredibly erratic fashion, has to be uh, a triumph. Now, how it pans out in the second half, again, our expectations are structured because in recent seasons we found that the second half of the season has deflated us somewhat. If we can keep this, albeit crazy, run of form going in the second half of the season, then who knows? If we if we finish in the playoffs, I think that is a, an extraordinary performance, mm. as I say, given the, the nature of the turnover in staff and players that we had in the summer. So JDT, he's come in with a style of play that uh, it is based around passing game. I think the, he and the director of football, Greg Broughton, talk about playing it out from the back and controlling it. That gives me kittens every time we do it, I've got to be honest. And I think, yeah, the, the downsides of playing like that were exposed in the games against Burnley and Preston where they just pressed us right from the, the moment we had possession and we couldn't cope with it. Against Norwich, we saw a slight variation where we were prepared to play the ball over the top, then into the space that that left. And I think that's our strength. 
it was our strength under Moba as well to use Gallagher and Diaz's strength and pace on, on fast breaks. So it will be interesting to see over in the next two or three games whether that Norwich thing was just a one-off experiment or the players just took took the initiative or whether right. that has, has, has now actually given us a plan B and what impact that has on our results. Um, but overall, you've got to be absolutely delighted with third place halfway through the season. It's, it's just terrific. Really, really, jo- really good job, albeit delivered by unusual means, let's put it that way. Mm. Yeah, certainly it was recognisable at the game at Ewood Park. They were trying to play out from the back and and play that way. Just looking at how they've set up kind of system-wise, looks like they've played with the back four and with a back three. So yeah. how do you see them setting up on Boxing Day at the stadium of light? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, that's one of the great joys of, of following Rovers this season is nobody, anybody who says this is how we'll play and this is how the game will go, clearly hasn't been watching and paying attention closely enough. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he started with a back three. It wouldn't surprise me. But I think a lot depends on um, our fullback availability. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Pickering has, has really done a terrific job at left back this season, but he's suffered from injuries. And then the right back that we brought in from Barnsley, Callum Britton, currently is out injured. So that means that we, we've had to put people at fullback that aren't natural fullbacks. So I think the, the, the cautious side then sort of says, well, play an extra centre-back who can provide some cover, and then that takes away from the, the attacking force. So it, a lot will depend on who's fit and available, to be perfectly honest, and a lot will, will depend upon um, how he sees as being able to exploit the, the Sunderland system. I, I, I simply can't predict it. I, I wouldn't even... Mm-hmm pretend to try and, and be uh, and have foresight into into JDT's mind. Yeah. You mentioned some of the the key players. Obviously the obvious one is Ben Brereton Diaz. I think he's got yeah. nine championship goals. Just how important is he to the side and who are the other kind of key players that will be important for them against Sunderland well, on Boxing Day? Well, let, let, let's go through back to front then. I, I don't mm-hmm. leave anybody out. Kaminsky in goal has been an excellent yeah. signing. Um, he, he's he's back to... Blackburn Rovers had a really good tradition of, of solid keepers starting, well, yeah, way back in the, the 80s, the likes of Terry Geno, Tim Fowers in the championship winning side through the likes of Brad Fiedel, Paul Robinson, and so on and so on. So to, to, to see a guy come in and command the area, tremendous shot stopper, great reflexes. So he, he's fundamental at the back. We signed Dom Hyam from Coventry City in the summer, mm-hmm. and he slotted in almost seamlessly. Uh, when he's alongside Daniel Ayala, again, injury permitting, uh, that, that's a solid partnership at the back. So he, he's he's pretty fundamental. And then up front, as you sort of said, you've got the likes of Barrett and Diaz and Gallagher. We have this amazing stat with Sam Gallagher, where when he starts, our results are fundamentally better than when he's not there. And I think that speaks volumes to the unglamorous work that Gallagher does in tracking back and just occupying defenders and making life easier for the fullbacks. Uh, midfield has been a bit of a mystery this season. We've got Tyler Morton on loan from Liverpool, uh, who's definitely a stylish player, definitely has technique and definitely is a prospect. But given his age and his lack of experience, he has a rick in him every now and then where he will concede possession in a sensitive area and, and potentially concede goals. So, you, you you enjoy watching it when he's going forward. You worry about him when he's picking the ball up on the edge of the area. 
Lewis Travis, our skipper, has probably had a difficult season this year. Uh, he was he was one of the bright spots in the last two or three seasons. Uh, this has been that sort of like that almost like a band's difficult second album. He's struggling to build build on that momentum, and likewise John Buckley. But that's opened the door for some of our youngsters, and we we seem to have a lot of very promising central midfielders coming through from our academy. So if we had to put a seventeen to nineteen year old side out, uh, we, we we would be able to put like five or six quality midfielders in. And again, depending on uh, fitness will we'll determine which ones are, are selected on Boxing Day. But Brereton Diaz is the outlook ball, as you'd expect. Mm. I think Hyam and Ayala are at the back of the rocks, and then behind them, Kaminsky. So they're, they're, they are the guys that I think make this side tick. Mm. You mentioned there a couple of the, the younger players in Blackburn, particularly last season, had a kind of a reputation of bringing in younger Premier League players from, from yeah. clubs. Mowbray's mentioned that a lot. Yeah. I'm um, just wondering, kind of, has that kind of idea and those principles kind of continued now that Mowbray's left and what kind of how is the work that Mowbray did at Ewood Park viewed now now that he's left and, and joined a different club he was always he was always um fond of using the academy players I think he was yeah. always a champion of their cause and that stood him in good stead I think Rovers have nailed the colors to the mass now in saying that's the business model mm. so yeah we are not a city club we are a town club it's not the most economically vibrant area. So our, our attendances are very price sensitive. And if you have a lot of fixtures together, you, you expect to see that. So we're not going to get income in through the turnstiles in the way that some of our divisional rivals can. Uh, we're not the most glamorous these days, sadly. So you know, the sponsorships um, don't come knocking at the door. We have to go out and, and really hunt hard for those. So TV money when we're on live, as we are over Christmas three or four times, I think that that all helps. But undoubtedly now, the major source of income for the club will be growing our own players. So the the, the academy and its role in the financial future of the club is absolutely critical. So bringing those players through is something that Mowbray was instrumental in setting up and sort of really establishing, and that's definitely carrying on. There's no doubt about that, that we, we cannot afford to, to not have our own crop of youngsters. One of the more controversial aspects of that, therefore, is to what extent do you bring loan players in and develop some other club's talent at the expense of yours? So I think, yeah, if it's icing on the cake signings, if it's somebody like Harvey Elliott, when Moby brought Harvey Elliott in in the COVID season, he was terrific. And he hit the ground running and he made a fundamental difference. The way that he linked with Adam Armstrong. So I said, I can see why he brought him in. Then uh, in Mowbray's last year, he brought Leighton Clarkson in from Liverpool, who's a, Blackburn, a boyhood Blackburn Rovers fan. And it just didn't work. And in January, we sent him back. So this year's Liverpool loanee, you know, the winner was Tyler Morton. So our expectations were going to be more of Leighton Clarkson than Harvey Elliott. And he's fallen somewhere between the two. In much like the rest of the first team, when he's good, He's really good. But when he drops a rick, it's a big one kind of thing and invariably costs us. So the academy, the youth prospects, it's the future. And we have some terrific prospects uh, knocking on the doors of the first team and making you know, occasional appearances as substitutes and occasional starts. That very much is the future. It's the only way for Rovers to compete. I think the, the unknown is the extent to which we will use loanies from other clubs uh, mm. because I think Moby have built up really good reputation with Manchester City and Liverpool in particular. We seem to have carried on the Liverpool relationship, but uh, Taylor Harwood-Bellis, who we had from Manchester City, of course, has gone to Burnley this year. Mm. So so uh, any, any sort of like stake we had in his future, ah, no, you're dead to us now. You've gone to our nearest and dearest. So uh, good riddance kind of thing. 
Yeah, as you, I mean, as you said earlier, that it felt like maybe Mowbray had been there a season or two too long. But does it feel like he's maybe laid the foundations for someone, whether that's John Dale Thomason or whether that's the next manager to to make success of this team with with a younger group now that he's lowered the age the age of of the group and the squad. Yeah, I think yeah, there's no doubt that overall, you know, Tony Mowbray's contribution to Blackburn Rovers was, was very good. Yeah. He, he was. It was the sequence of results that that kind of was his downfall. And I, I posited a thought experiment on our forums on more than one occasion about if we'd flipped them the other way around and we got off to a terrible start and we were bottom on Boxing Day or in the bottom three, and then we went on a run where we, we won something like 15 out of 20 games and finished in eighth, would that mm. be a good season? And I genuinely believe that the su- supporters would view that more positively than the other way around. So, yeah, I dare say the finance director at Rovers was spitting feathers because at the time he wanted to sell season tickets for the next season. We were in this like trough of despair where we got two wins in 17 games or something and the fans were calling for Mowbray out from sort of like February onwards. So it, it is the psychology of it is fascinating. Uh, you know, at the end of the, the season, you look at the league table, and that's a pretty good, honest reflection of where you've been. And under Tony Mowbray, we you know, we we rarely were involved in a, pro- a prolonged relegation battle. He usually got us up to mid-table, and then a couple, couple of times sort of lifted us to the fringes of the playoffs without ever quite breaking through. It was something of a glass ceiling. But his role in setting up the academy, his role in laying down those foundations, and just stopping Blackburn Rovers from being a basket-case club, I think can't be underestimated. He brought credibility. He brought a sense of calm, professionalism, assurance. He was kind of like you know, the elderly uncle who just comes in and calms everything down and just had commanded some respect. As I say, the unfortunate thing, and it really was sad, was that, that those second half of the season collapses meant that most fans come May were sort of saying, we need to ch- we need to change here. We can't go through this again every season because it mm-hmm. wasn't a one-off. We were contacted by supporters of West Bromwich Albion who sort of said, oh, yeah, he did that with us. And then Middlesbrough fans yeah, would join us. Yeah, he did that with us as well. So I'm just saying, come February 1st, just, just have your expectations structured accordingly. Mm. Well, there have been a few links with some Blackburn players with Mowbray now being at Sunderland, I'm sure you've seen with with Bradley Dack and yes. with John Buckley. Uh, John Buckley. Um, yeah, Mowbray's yeah. been asked about them directly and kind of said there's been no conversations about those players potentially coming to Sunderland. But I was just wondering what kind of their situations are now at Blackburn in the squad. I think yeah. Dack's maybe got a, uh, an option for a year extension on his contract. Buckley's got a long-term deal. So what's kind of their kind of position in the squad? Yeah, I, th- I think the two are different. Um, yeah. I think I think if a player is is likely to leave in January, it's far more likely to be Bradley Dack than anybody else in the squad, and I would include mm. Broughton Diaz in that. Although if somebody came in, you know, if Sevilla came in with silly money or something, I guess we'd, we'd probably take it. But given where we are now, uh, I, I think Diaz is going to stay. Dak, on the other hand, is just about 40s way back into the first team, but he's had two horrific injuries. And nobody can be quite sure at this point whether he can recapture uh, the form and the, the consistency of performance that he, that he showed for us in the past. He's been a terrific, terrific player for Blackburn Rovers, but obviously he's lost the last two, two and a half years of his, his career, basically. Uh, to, to have a second cruciate after the first, I think, was just horrendous. So it speaks volumes of his character that, he, that he's fought back. If there's somebody that can get the best out of him, it's Tony Mowbray. Uh, if there's somebody that, that might think he might just sprinkle a little stardust on this side, then yeah, yeah, Mowbray, it would, make, it would make perfect sense. 
I think you know, sort of like it, they almost have like a father-son relationship. So I, yeah. I don't know what other players you've got in your squad that he'd be competing with to get in the side. But from that perspective, it makes perfect sense. Would Rovers be prepared to let him go? I think it would be a big wage off the wage bill that we could then perhaps reinvest in someone that fits closer to the, the JDT model of uh, lots of running, lots of energy, lots of pressing and all that sort of stuff. John Buckley, I'd be amazed if he goes anywhere. Um, there was talk of him perhaps going out on loan, but then he played uh, against Norwich and he played he played really well. He, he looked back to the Buckley that we, we all admire. I think there's a lot of people in Rovers hierarchy that saw him as a 13, 14-year-old in the academy and thought that there's a real gem there and there's no doubt about it. He struggled this season. But against Norwich, you look like you got the old John Buckley back. His range of passing, his technique, his touch would be incredibly difficult for us to replace. And I, I think it would be really short-sighted to, to lose him. Uh, the, the potential of sending him out on loan, I, I don't think our squad is deep enough to allow a talent like that to go out on loan. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got to we've got to keep likes of him. So I could see Dak happening. I really can't see Buckley happening. If Dak went, he'd go with my blessing and my good wishes for the service that he's done. I don't think he, he sees eye to eye with with the current manager. Uh, Buckley, I think, would be really short sighted. I really mm. would want to see him go. I think he, there's a real talent there for sure. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they develop. But with Sunderland, they have got quite a few creative players. Alex Pritchard was was injured for the whole game, but he's been playing kind of in that number 10 yeah. the season. Then um, Embleton's just been ruled out with a long-term injury, but he's another player that could play in the number 10. They've got quite a few kind of creative attacking players. So would Dak fit in? Um, I know you say he's got a great relationship with Mowbray, but maybe they've got one too many kind of that sort Yeah, of he's got to fit in there. with his teammates, yeah. hasn't he? He's got, he's got to fit the formation and pattern mm. and play. If there was a guy that could make it happen, it's Tony Mowbray. Yeah. But I just don't know whether... You, know, you could use that investment in another player in another position and get more value out of it than, than mm. perhaps Dak would offer. But he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great talent, there's no doubt about that, but injuries have blighted mm. the last two years. Mm -hmm. Well, just before we finish off, we'll just kind of ask you how you think Blackburn are going to approach the game on Boxing Day. I know you said they, they're quite keen <laughs> to play out from the back. Um, we've seen a lot of teams, particularly in League One last season, come and kind of almost park the bus, put 11 men behind the ball, it doesn't sound like Blackburn will do that. Will they try and kind of play out and and have a go at Sunderland? How do you kind of see? I, I would I would expect so, and I would hope so. The bit that gives me kittens is is the the playing out from the back, mm. um, because we're just not we're just not assured enough to do it, in my opinion. You know, but it's it just I think there's a, there's an audible gasp and a sigh. You know, every time, oh, oh no, they're doing it again, and then when when the ball eventually gets the halfway, it's, and relax. So in terms of like calming breathing exercises around Ewood and anybody who follows us away, I think that, that, that would be something I would prescribe. Uh, I wouldn't expect us to, to, to park the bus. Uh, I think the second half of the game at Ewood showed that Sunderland have the capability to press us back and mm. hold us back. But in many respects, that, that plays to our strengths if we can find the right escape ball. So again, a lot depends on fitness. If Sam Gallagher's fit. Um, on one side and, and Broughton Diaz on the other, then I, I, I will go into that game far more optimistically. Um, how will Rovers play? I wish I knew. 
Yeah. <laughs> I wish I knew, or I wish I knew what to expect. I mean, that, that's the great thing about it. It is unscripted drama. We don't know whether good rovers or bad rovers will turn up. We don't know whether they'll play with a back three or a back four. We don't know whether they'll play around or whether they'll do the Norwich City and, and sort of like mitigate that by playing the long ball every now and then. So we, uh, we'll, we'll just wait and see, I think, mm. as long and short of it. Yeah, sounds hard to predict, but we usually do Very much by so. just, just asking for a quick score prediction. Um, I feared I feared you would do that. Yeah. Obviously, everything everything depends on who scores first. We, we've we've got to end this sequence of no no drawn games, haven't we? At some point, yeah. so I think my my default setting when I'm asked for predictions these days, say, well, at some point we're going to draw a game, so I'm going to go two two. Mm. Yeah, I usually sit on the fence and go for a draw, but looking that Rovers haven't drawn a game all season. Um, maybe not so, but Sunderland, I think they need to improve their record at home. Um, but I think they might nick this one. I think they have been, they have shown signs after the break that they can play well in patches, just bringing it all yeah. together. And I think that, that first goal is going to be key. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Might, more more so than most. 2 0 Sunderland. Yeah. yeah. If you but score yeah, first, crack out the mince pies because th that's it. Then we can all go home and start to yeah. enjoy Boxing Day properly. If we score first, again, you might as well go home because we know what's going to happen, but we shall see. Mm. Yeah, hard to predict, but uh, that's why that's why we turn up and watch these Absolutely. games. So, uh, Ian, thanks a lot for for joining My us pleasure. on today's today's episode. Have a great Christmas, and, uh, and you, also have a great Christmas, all our readers. Except for Boxing Day, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for Boxing Day, yeah. Uh, all our readers have a great Christmas. Um, we'll be back with more um, build up to the game on Boxing Day. Tony Mowbray is speaking to the media uh, later today. We're recording this on Friday, so you can find out what he has to say over on the Sunderland Echo website. We'll also have updates and analysis from the game on Boxing Day from the Stadium of Light. Um, you can also subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Just search Sunderland Echo SAFC on YouTube and press subscribe for all our latest content. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to the Royal Podcast.